May the words of my mouth, meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the winter of 2016, 2018, I got a chance to take a trip to Israel, Palestine, the Holy Lands, and was there for a few weeks as part of a uh, group, um, a study group. It was a group from the seminary, but also from uh, uh, the Anglican Communion people from all over the world. Uh, there are people from Indonesia and Africa um, uh, in our group. We were all there studying, and uh, we, had, we had three uh, tour leaders. One guy had a PhD in Hebrew. Another guy had a PhD in biblical archaeology. And our third person was a, um, a lifelong Palestinian who is a Christian who had um, uh, uh, knew everybody. He had worked for the U.S. State Department when they were like coming to do uh, 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 state visits. They would use, uh, they would liaise with him because he just like knew everyone. We were like walking down the street. He knew like every vent. He knew every, like from everyone from like the vendors to um, the minister of like tourism. It was amazing. It was uh, incredibly informative. And so we drove around everywhere. We went all the way up uh, to Bethlehem for a couple of weeks. We went as far south as Hebron, which is where um, Abraham and Sarah are buried and everywhere in the between. And on, uh, as we were leaving, uh, it was me and a friend traveling. We went to the airport. And because we had been to the West Bank, we had been to lots of um, uh, politically charged places. They had given us a few scripts to use to get past the security forces, like to kind of like talk through what that would be like. And uh, so my friend went through first, and then I went through, and our answers did not exactly match. I can't remember now which one of us said the wrong thing, but um, one of us did. And since I was the second one through, they, uh, they detained me. <laughs> it's funny now. Uh, but uh, they, they took me to a side room and um, they, I, I talked to them for like an hour and a half. And then um, a group of these uh, security forces, Israelis, um, this is in uh, Tel Aviv, um, they started to laugh uh, amongst each other after they talked to me for a while. It was pretty nice. I mean, no one was mean. Um, and they came over to me after laughing for a bit, and um, they said, could you help us uh, uh, settle a dispute amongst each other? We're trying to figure out what the right word is for where we have to take you. And I think the word is prison. And they're telling me that's not right. And I said, that's right. You're wrong. <laughs> prison is not the right word. <laughs> um, but uh, what they wanted, they were going to take me to like a confined area and do a pretty extensive strip search, which at, um, well, <laughs> anyway, it turned out fine. I got on the plane, but it was like th a three-hour process. Made me think a lot about how um, translations uh, can really go two very different directions. What I would call a private room for questioning, um, he wanted to call a prison. So I printed out uh, uh, a picture 
as hopefully a helpful example of this. It's in your bulletin, a little, little third sheet. Anybody know, anybody want to describe what they see here? It's a, sorry? A duck. Yes, a duck. Anybody see anything else? A rabbit. Fellow PhD in philosophy. Thank you. Uh, it's a rabbit. It's a duck. It's a rabbit. Does everybody see that? It's a duck. It's a rabbit. On that trip to Israel, um, I was thinking that the trip itself would be a pilgrimage to holy sites. We're going to see, um, uh, I said we went to Bethlehem, which we did, the birth of Jesus. We all went all the way up to Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth is the only modern-day city in Israel that is a majority Palestinian. There's a majority of Palestinians there in, in Israel. Um, and so we went far up into the north. I was thinking it'd be mostly a, a, a pilgrimage to holy sites, and it was that. Um, but what I wasn't expecting is that each of those holy sites, precisely because they are holy, were also sites of future violence, of past violence and future violence, places that people would be willing to um, martyr themselves to stir up trouble. Went through for two weeks. A few weeks later, a couple months later, I had some close family members um, do another trip to the same area. Um, and they went to almost all the same sites. And their reflection uh, from that was almost polar opposite from mine. They, say, they saw all the same things, but came out with a radically different view of each of those things. For instance, as we were traveling through the West Bank, Bashar, our Palestinian, uh, native Palestinian who is also a Christian, um, as we were driving through the West Bank, he would say, you know how you can tell a difference between an Israeli settlement and a Palestinian house? And the difference in a lot of cases, I'm sure there are exceptions, but in a lot of cases, the Israeli settlement is going to have municipal water that's pumped in, and a Palestinian house is going to have uh, local water, a tank on the outside. Now. Kind of like a small deal, right? Um, a, a little bit of a uh, bit about infrastructure. But what it was really about is that when you live in a desert, one of the most valuable commodities of, is water. Palestinians had to have their water outside where it could easily be disrupted and destroyed. Um, anyway, so we saw all the same sites, but saw it completely different. I saw rabbit. <laughs> I saw a group of people, the Palestinians, um, who were being in many ways oppressed, living in incredibly oppressive 
uh, situation. And when my relatives went, they saw duck. They saw um, a holy war being waged, um, Jews and Christians versus Muslims. We saw all the same things. We went to all the same places, and we saw it totally differently. I feel that way about today's gospel passage. What a week to get this saying. Um, this is part of what scholars call the hard sayings of Jesus. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. How do we read a passage like this? How do we make sense of it? As you all know, people who live in the world, um, there are actual calls for violence out there this week, like a lot of them. Um, in ways that uh, uh, are, are feel uh, real, uh, not far off and distant, but real. How do we take a passage like this that seems to be just on the precipice of violence and make sense of it as a holy work? I think for a lot of us, especially uh, for myself, we project as is totally normal, we project our own um, uh, histories, our own context, our own memories, our own experiences. Oftentimes um, with sin, it can be a really difficult thing for any group of Christians to talk about. Because all of us have, um, or most of us have, a long history with this word, especially in religious communities. Some of us were kicked out of religious communities because of our sexuality, because of the color of our skin, uh, sometimes because of divorce. The church has excluded certain people. Oftentimes in 21st century America, in the American context, sin is seen as something that is deeply personal, in private, something that is full of shame and exclusion. Oftentimes in America, the people who are the most sinful are the people on the margins. It's how it gets talked about a lot. It's one of those times, I love the lectionary, the lectionary is us taking the Bible and dividing it up into little bits to read on Sunday. It's like a great way to get through the Bible. The problem with the lectionary is that you only see little bits. <laughs> um, taking a step back and looking at the Gospel of Luke, looking at the Gospel of Mark and Matthew and John, there is a radically different view of sin than the one that I grew up with. Jesus talks about baptism, a baptism of fire, a baptism of repentance. Jesus' ministry, as soon as he's baptized, he goes out to the poorest of the poor, to the marginalized, 
to the sick, to the outcasts, the tax collectors, and he heals and he touches. He sits with them and he breaks bread. He brings them in to a dignified community and shares their life with him, his life with theirs. That creates trouble. In the Gospel of Mark, um, after Jesus' first healing, he's chased out into the wilderness. It's only in the wilderness that he does ministry because the cities from the very beginning are out to get him. Then he heals someone on the Sabbath. And the religious authorities and the political authorities decide right then that Jesus has to die. That's in the second chapter of Mark. The end of the third chapter, Jesus' family comes to him and begs him to stop. To stop talking to the poor, to stop healing, to stop this ministry towards those on the outskirts of society. They're worried that he'll get killed. They're worried that they'll get killed. So they're standing outside the home that Jesus is sitting with the sinners and the tax collectors, and his disciples say, your mother and your brother and your sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my brother or sister? Whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of God is my family. This is like one of those things that being 2,000 years away from the words of Jesus, it can feel like um, a, uh, uh, a cliché. But in that sentence, Jesus is radically reversing the way everyone thought about society. Everyone thought about society, the, the things that bind us as family bonds, as a blood bond or as a tribal bond. And Jesus works to create a new tribe not one based on who you know, what you're born into, not one in which society can determine who has dignity and who doesn't by who's desirable, who's clean, who's, quote, sinful or not sinful, but rather on those things, whoever does the will of God. Okay, so that's what sin is. Um, sin is not doing the will of God. Uh, sin is excluding people based on their sense of not being acceptable to the, to the majority. So in Luke, Jesus says, I've come to free the prisoners. I've come to cast down the mighty, to lift up the lowly. I've come to be with the poor, with the sick. And in this passage, Jesus is turning from that ministry towards Jerusalem. What he is saying is, for this, are you okay? Is everything okay? Okay, okay. Um, for this, I'm willing to lay down my life. 
Jesus says, to build this new community, this new community of God, like fire purifies. The disciples ask Jesus to count, to bring down fire, to like wipe out the village, and Jesus says no to that. Um, but he does talk about fire in this passage. In this passage, it's a fire that purifies, like metal, like they were, they were working with um, metals, a, a, a fire that purifies towards goodness. So I have come. So deep and so fundamental is this commitment. Jesus is willing to break family bonds. Willing to break family bonds. Willing to turn mother-in-law against child, father against son. Jesus is saying, so deep is his commitment to the dignity of all people that he is willing to lay down his life ultimately to establish this new kingdom, this family built on those willing to do the will of God, to love ceaselessly. He knows that it's radical. He knows that if he stands with the poor, with the people who have been cast out from society, that he will get wrath and he's willing to take it. He's willing for there to be disagreement about this, for this to break families apart. So powerful is the love of God, so pervasive is it that Jesus will not stop, even though it is going to cause calamity, even though it is going to divide people, divide what people thought they were in for. So we can think about sin as a shameful thing, something deeply personal, something that excludes you from God. Or we can think about sin in a totally different way. Sin not about shame, not about separating you from God, but a willingness uh, to stand with those uh, who are marginalized. Jesus believes when we separate those people out, that is sin. That's what we must overcome. And it's for that that he's willing for families to be turned around and separated. This place, we say, or we are going to live God's love we carry this message with love and with peace and with courage. So great is our commitment that we are willing to risk disagreement sometimes. We are willing to be misunderstood. So deep is our commitment, our journey to the cross, that even death is part of our willingness to live God's love. So, this place exists for collective action. We are a new kind of family, not based on social cachet, not based on um, who we are connected to, not based on blood, but based on love and mercy and forgiveness.
And as the powers of darkness gather to threaten the dignity of people, the rights of the marginalized, the rights of the poor, we are willing to stand in the breach no matter what the cost. God's holy name. Amen.